You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast, presented by The Daily Goat. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Pombo and Peter's Picks. I'm Jason Pombo alongside Peter Alves. How are we doing today, Peter? What's up? In New Hampshire and a whole nother state. So you want to hear a funny story about gambling in New Hampshire? I was just going to ask you. So Peter texted me yesterday um, talking about when we wanted to record. And he's like, I have a funny story to say. And I was like, all right, let's hear it. So Peter, without further ado, let's go. So I'm in Keene, right? So I'm in a, it's a rinky-dink like casino right near Liza's town, you know? So TJ and Dylan are going to love this. So I walk in, right? There's three tables, no slot machines, no nothing. Everybody looks at me because there's nobody in there. Literally two people at a table and then four dealers just talking. And I was like, hey, what's up? I'm not even from here. And they're like, hey, you want to play? I was like, sure. Just blackjack, right? They sit down, pull out like 100 bucks, and they all look at me. And then I look at the minimum. It's five bucks. I was like, bet. And then they're like, yeah, so the there's state laws that a maximum bet is only 10 bucks. I was like, what? So I'll just play 10 bucks a hand. And then, yeah, I mean, like 50 bucks and I left. And I was like, this is so weird. What casino was it? It's called Wonder Casino. So it must be a chain. Was there a lot of people there? No, it was just like me and two other people. And I assume they're in their lock because they're just like chatting up the dealer and being like, hey, how's it going? Or like, whatever. So, so you're telling me, so TJ is the kind of, TJ Albert of Cheap Talk, Cheap Talk Wrestling. Uh, he's the kind of guy that he enjoys driving. He enjoys to see different places that aren't necessarily um, typical. Uh, for example, like he would, he'll drive 25, 30 minutes just to see something that he could probably see in five minutes, but that's just how he is. So he, I, that's something he would enjoy for sure. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just that casino or it, it was, he was talking about like the whole state was only like 10 bucks, like maximum. So I was like, that's so weird. Cause I haven't gambled in New Hampshire, like at all. So TJ wants to take the hour to the border. Just try it out. Yeah. That, that's an interesting story, Peter. So I'm glad you made out well. And I was like, I'm from Mass, and like our minimum thing is like 15, 25, even 100. They're like, oh, well. It's like, what? Yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's odd, but I guess to each its own up in New Hampshire. But that's an interesting story. Uh, and maybe one of these days, I guess we'll have to check it out. Yeah. All right, Peter. So speaking of checking things out, and you had success on the blackjack table, we did not have success uh, this past weekend with our picks. Uh, we were actually clowned uh, on one podcast, the other podcast you're on, the Bo Sox. Yeah, Bottles. the Bo Sox said we can't bet on soccer anymore, which Correct. I agree. I mean, so, yeah, I have a stat I'll bring up uh, after we just go over the picks. So I'll start off. I went one and two over the weekend. Uh, the Oakland A's lost to the Rangers. I had the A's. That was an L. My W was Poirier over McGregor. Uh, but then my final loss, uh, I had England over Italy, hence why they made fun of us on the Bo Sox Bombers. So I finished one and two on the week. Yeah, I, I got even worse when 0-3. So I lost the Blue Jays versus Tampa. They lost, I think, 7-1. And then McGregor lost, obviously, on Saturday, which is a fake win. I think it should have just been a doctor's decision. And Doctor stoppage. Count. Doctor yeah. stoppage. And then when McGregor lost, I literally, because I was at Wild Wings, and I, I saw Dave, and I was like, Dave, you should bet on Italy right now because there's no shot England wins because I'm going to go 0-3. And I already knew it, so. Yeah, I enjoyed the UFC card on Saturday. Um, I picked Poirier. 
obviously resulted in a win. How about the fight between uh, O'Malley and Motinho, huh? What do you think of that? That was crazy. Yeah, I don't think that should have been a stoppage. Although yeah. O'Malley like hit him like 200-plus times, which is a UFC record for him. He so stayed up. Let him go 30 seconds more. Like yeah, He stayed up. And he absolutely made an impression on a lot of people in the UFC world. So that was something to see. Uh, and I think the card overall was was good. I mean, I, I was satisfied. I was satisfied with it. Granted, the we didn't get a, a three-round battle between Poirier and McGregor, but we had a lot of drama afterwards. And I thought that card sucked. Really? I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was pretty good. Lost in three seconds. The well, woman fight sucked. Burns did you pick Greg Hardy? Sucked. I mean, on, on a parlay, but I didn't think he was going to win. I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, for the next card, see if you'll like it any better. But no, I'm going to get McGregor on the scooter. <laughs> yeah. He's electric. I'm going to pivot uh, to the Euros really quick and respond to mainly just Justin and Nick because you were getting clowned too. Yeah. So I, I tallied up uh, our particular picks from the entire European tournament, the games that we selected. Uh, would you like, without looking, Peter, what would you guess our record of as of, of 15 games? How many wins do you think we got? Not a lot. Rip we Portugal, went six that. and nine. Ah, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yes. going to be like two and 12. No, we weren't that bad. We had a couple wins, um, but overall it wasn't good. The ones that we felt that were locks never turned out to be locks. Uh, and I, the one thing I will say I told you England was a bunch of chokers. They are every single major tournament. And you know what, Peter? I have no idea why I didn't listen to myself. I psyched myself out, and I played the opposite. And, of well, course, I just wanted them Italy to win won. at home. That would have been cool. But That's just what England does. They, they get so close, and just something – I don't want to call it fluky, but just something happens, and they lose. But nah. we'll, see how the, we'll see how the next major tournament breaks out. Maybe we'll – Talk some Champions League. That's another uh, major soccer tournament. That's an every year thing. That's between club teams. So that's like your Manchester United's versus Real Madrid, Liverpool. Like that's like, talked about the Copa. Are you pissed? Messi's the goat now. He's he is not the goat. The Copa. There was like the co- the tell you what. If you look at the teams in the Copa and the Euros, they're not even like a little bit comparable. Like in that tournament, it was Brazil and Argentina. Like that. That was it. You look at the Euros and Portugal in the in the freaking group stage had to go through France and Germany to even get by. True. We'll see at the World Cup. We'll see. But Ronaldo actually got the golden boot. He was tied for the most goals in the tournament, and Portugal not, got knocked out three rounds ago. Tells you how good of a tournament he had. So, but the golden boot is when you get the most goals in the tournament. Yeah, he did. But I enjoyed the Euros. Didn't enjoy the ending. What can you do? What can you do, right? All right, Peter, let's move on to the NBA Finals. So when we talked last week, I think it was fair to say we felt pretty comfortable about the Suns. They were up 2-0 in the series. Uh, Chris Paul looked fantastic. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker were doing awesome. Giannis and Middleton were struggling. But since we dropped our podcast last week, I think the opposite has occurred. So the Bucks have battled back to tie the series at 2 uh, heading back to Phoenix for game five on Saturday. Uh, what's your overall takeaway? Do you think Milwaukee has a legitimate chance to come back from this 2-0 deficit and win the NBA Finals? Yeah, they do. I'm really scared because I'm a, obviously a big Suns fan. I, I think the Bucks might win in seven games. I think Chris Paul is melting, which is surprising. 
Devin Booker obviously balled out in game four, but he was nowhere to be found in game three. And Chris Middleton and uh, Giannis are just doing their thing. Chris Middleton might win MVP instead of Giannis, I think. Yeah, Middleton played really well, but I think Giannis has been fantastic. Like, I think he is his block uh, that he had on game four uh, on DeAndre Ayton, that was one of the best blocks I've ever seen. I think that if the Bucs win the series, that block will go down as one of the best in NBA history. It's going to be like the LeBron James on Draymond Green in 2016. It's it's to that magnitude. I think Giannis and Middleton have been fantastic. Uh, and they've led Milwaukee here. And they kicked the crap out of the Suns in game three. And then game four, they grinded till the end. And they got the victory. But to me, you mentioned Chris Paul. And I think you made a fantastic point. I got a stat for you on Chris Paul. So in his last three games, he's had 15 turnovers. But for the entire Western Conference Finals, Chris Paul only had eight turnovers. Yeah, I don't know if they're just defending him really well or he's just getting burnt out. He, he looked tired last night. I think right. that's fair to suggest that he looked a little... Uh, he, I don't want to say lost, but he just did not look the same. Uh, he didn't have the same burst. Uh, he didn't even score 10 points. Uh, he, tell you what, if the Suns want to win this series, Chris Paul needs to go back to playing how he was in games one and two. If he doesn't, uh, the Bucs will win this game and this will, will win the series in six games. Which is a shame. So close, get so far. I know I don't want Giannis to get a ring, but I think he might. I think it's going to come down to which team can win on the road. If Milwaukee can steal this game, I think they win the finals. If Phoenix steals game six in Milwaukee, I think they win the finals. So I think whichever road team wins uh, will win the finals. Does this feel like a finals though? I was watching it, and I was like, no, I don't even think that this feels like a finals. Well, this is a little bit different because I think the names, and I don't even want to say the star power because Giannis is one of the biggest stars in the NBA. But you look at Phoenix, Devin Booker, he's an ascending star, but he's not LeBron, Steph Curry, Durant. He's not in that regime. Like, he's not he's not that guy. But I, I do understand what you're saying. Phoenix, Milwaukee, they just feel kind of like yeah, Phoenix. Did, Phoenix did make the playoffs last year. It's not any of their fault. It just feels weird. And Phoenix deserves to be there. Uh, they beat the Lakers. They beat the Clippers. They absolutely deserve to be there. And Milwaukee does too. I mean, they could have just rolled over and got swept, but they didn't. Uh, they fought hard. Uh, Giannis' free throw shooting has been so much better. Giannis has been better defensively. Uh, Middleton's been better offensively. Uh, when you look at this box team, they haven't rolled over. And I, that could be the difference in the series. Do you think it goes seven games? Yeah, I think it's going to go seven either way. Either Suns are going to win seven or Bucks are going to squeak it out. Because so, I, I don't see the Suns now winning two in a row. I think I think you're right. And this series might be one of those that goes seven games and the home team just wins every game and the Suns win in seven. Like, yeah. I could see that scenario playing out. It wouldn't shock me the least bit if the Suns came out in game five and won by 15 points and then went to Milwaukee for game six and lost by 20 points. Like, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I'm curious how it's all going to play out. And I think either either way you look at if the Suns win, uh, Chris Paul will have to play better. And if the Bucks win, uh, they're going to have to continue to limit Chris Paul, and Middleton's going to continue to be, as Kendrick Perkins says, quote-unquote, Batman. It's true. If it does go to get Game 7, the show is going to have to get delayed a day or two. Yes, that is a very good point because you know we will record early and then get screwed either way. Yeah, so yeah. it's on Thursday. 
So the next time we record, the finals will be over. We will, have a, we will have a champion, which is pretty cool. All right, Peter, anything uh, left to say in the NBA? Go Suns, please, for my wallet, even though I had just bet a little bit. but Smart. All right, so we're going to move on to the NFL. Like we talked about last week, uh, we're going to preview division by division. Uh, and this week, we're going to start with the AFC North. Uh, so when you look at the AFC North, I think it's a tale of two halves. You have a team like the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns uh, with their young quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow, both young, controllable, and they both look like they're going to be ascending stars, right? Uh, Burrow, in my opinion, is one of the most promising young quarterbacks in this league. Uh, then you look at a team like Pittsburgh on the other side, Ben Roethlisberger, late in his 30s. Uh, the Steelers lost a lot in free agency. We'll get to that. Yeah, but the Steelers started off, I think, 11-0 last year before they crumbled in the playoffs. You got a team like the Baltimore Ravens, who I think Lamar Jackson's legit, uh, but his playoff woes have hurt his chances of ever reaching the ultimate goal for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, which have led them to underachieve. So we're going to start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers here. According to DraftKings, uh, they have their win total set at 8.5. Uh, so remember, it's a 17-game season uh, for the 2021 NFL season. And just to recap, the Steelers offseason, uh, like we mentioned previously, Ben Roethlisberger has returned. Uh, Bud Dupree uh, decided to leave him free agency. He ended up with the Tennessee Titans. They lost Mike Hilton, cornerback. Uh, he went to the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost their left tackle, Villanueva, to the Baltimore Ravens. So they did lose some pieces. They were able to retain Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, and they did draft Najee Harris, running back from Alabama in the first round. Uh, they also lost James Conner, running back to the Cardinals. So they have lost some pieces. David DeCastro, they released, who's their starting guard for the last decade. What do you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021? What do you like? What do you hate? And uh, what do you overall? what do you think the overall results will be? I don't like how they didn't address the offensive line like at all because James Conner obviously ran through didn't like ran through a brick wall. So I think Najee Harris is going to have a hard time. Ben Roethlisberger coming back, which is a little weird. I thought he was going to retire last year and he's not. And they didn't even address that position at all. So they don't have a future in that either. And their schedule is really hard too because obviously they have the AFC North to worry about and they face the NFC North. So if the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, that'll be hard. And then they have the Vikings. Then there are extra games with the Seahawks, and that's no gimme either. So I, I don't like that team at all. And I think they're going to be either third or fourth place. You have, them, you have them under eight and a half? Yeah, I think I'm way under. Because even like the Bengals are better than people think. And like the Broncos and the Chargers, obviously. I think they're going to have a hard time this year. So Ben Roethlisberger melted down the stretch. I think that's very obvious. It's very evident, especially in the playoff game against the Browns. Um, he melted and he showed that he doesn't have much left in the tank. I, like you, were surprised that he came back. I thought for sure his career was done. But here we are again, 2021. Ben Roethlisberger still here. I agree with you for the under. I have the Steelers pegged going... I have their exact record here, Peter. I have them going 6-11 and 11 on the year. I have them the under. Uh, I think you look at it, you made some points. They've lost a lot of people defensively, and not to mention that offensive line is in shambles. 
to me, the biggest surprise was they just released David David DeCastro outright. Uh, he's been a Pro Bowler, I believe, five of the last six years there. Uh, he's been a staple on the offensive line, and he's just they just released him. Not sure if there was an injury concern there or there's rumors that he might retire. Uh, either way, they did not address the offensive line. Uh, like we also talked about, um, they lost Villanueva, their left tackle. And I do like Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama. I think he has promise, but if he has no offensive line to help him, I don't imagine him having too much success in Pittsburgh. I think Mike Tomlin's a pretty good coach. I think he gets the most out of his players typically. Uh, but when you look at this roster, I think it's an overrated roster. I think they have a multitude of flaws. I think they have flaws in the back end, uh, the secondary. I think they have an issue all across the defense. Like, I truly believe that. And I don't see much many bright spots for this team. And I do think they're going to struggle. I have them at under eight and a half. Yeah, I just feel bad for Najee Harris. Because I, I like James Conner. He couldn't do anything either. Yeah, James Conner, he was he had a couple games where he really popped off. But it, I guess it didn't really fit with him. And he ended up in Arizona. You look at the Steelers team and they just feel aging and they're they're a team that's um, it feels like a minute away from a rebuild. Uh, they did sign Dwayne Haskins in the offseason. No, I don't think he's the future in Pittsburgh. And no, I don't think Mason Rudolph is the future in Pittsburgh. I do think they will likely have a decently high pick in the 2022 NFL draft. And I, I think that's how they're going to rebuild their team. Uh, I was surprised Mike Tomlin signed an extension uh, last year. I thought he well, was he is gonna... a good coach. He goes eight and eight at least every year anyway. Yeah, I think Tomlin's a good coach. I consider him a top 10 coach in the league, but I, there just felt like some friction there between him and uh, the general manager and the ownership in terms of how they're going to build this team. Uh, the Steelers have had quite a bit of roster turnover uh, the last couple of years. And you'll look at Tomlin. Do you really think he still wants a, was he 37, 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career? I don't believe so. I think Tomlin knows that uh, he can get a lot out of his players, and I think he would have wanted a quarterback in this year's draft. Like, it wouldn't have shocked me if he kind of uh, stepped down from that position uh, at the end of last year. It wouldn't have shocked me the least bit when the Steelers ended up uh, firing him in air quotes. But that didn't come to fruition. The band is back together, and it just feels destined to fail. And this year, I think it's going to implode. Like, I last year... They, I'm sorry, two years ago when Roethlisberger got hurt, remember they managed to get to eight and eight. Yeah, with, which is uh, crazy with Mason yeah. Rudolph the whole time. Him and the Duck Dynasty guy, what's yeah. his name? Ducks yeah. Hodges. Duck Hodges, yeah. Exactly. And they managed to get to eight and eight, and that was a nice little story. But even then, it felt like the end was near with that Steelers team. And we are two years later, and the same core is there. You still got Juju Smith-Schuster, whose value was absolutely diminished, and he had to take a one-year deal to return to Pittsburgh. He couldn't even get a big money deal in the offseason. He's back in Pittsburgh for one year. Uh, I just don't like the Steelers team. I'm going to take the under. All right, Peter, let's transition now to the Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens offseason, I do believe it was productive in some ways, but in other ways, uh, it was counterproductive. In terms of losses in free agency, they lost Matthew Judon to the Patriots. Uh, Judon was a valuable member of the front seven the last couple of years. Uh, he's led the team in sacks a couple of years, uh, led the team in tackles a couple of years. Uh, they lost Nagoku to the Vegas Raiders. Uh, Nagoku was somebody they signed last year. Uh, was looking to make an impact, and he never really did. But they were able to get some nice pieces. They also lost Mark Ingram in terms of a running back. Uh, but they were able to get Kevin Zeitler uh, from the Giants, a nice guard. Uh, they were able to get uh, Villanueva from the Steelers to play left tackle. 
Uh, they got Sammy Watkins from the Chiefs, and they also addressed the receiver position in the first round, uh, drafting Bateman in the NFL draft, a receiver out of Minnesota. All right, Peter, so according to DraftKings, the Baltimore, Raver, Baltimore Ravens over under is set at 11. Uh, what are your takeaways for this Ravens team? See, I like the either push or under. I don't think they're going to get 12 or 13 games. I like Lamar Jackson. He gets a lot of shit for not obviously throwing the ball. He's a great runner. Uh, I mean, they didn't lose a lot of people on defense. Uh, obviously, Matthew Judon, as you said, is a big loss. But they got Villanova from Steelers, which is going to help their O-line. And I think this division is going to be great other than the Steelers. And I think that there's going to have to be wins versus uh, with the Bengals. I, I think it's going to go over and the Browns are going to go over. So I think the push at 11, it's a no bet for me, honestly. Cause it's hard to gauge. Yeah. So I, my main takeaway from the Ravens this offseason was uh, they made it a priority to get Lamar Jackson some help. I think over the last couple of years, I think from the skill position, uh, skill player position, it's been underutilized for the Ravens. Sure, they've had some good tight ends, but um, Hollywood Brown, I don't necessarily believe is a true number one receiver. And other than that, uh, they've never been able to establish a number two. I like Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. They drafted in the first round. I think he's going to produce in year one right away, and he's going to be an impact player. I also think Sammy Watkins can produce with the deep ball a little bit. I like that addition. I'm going to take the over. I think the Ravens win 12 games. I think they go 12-5, and five, and I ultimately believe they will win the division. Uh, I just think in the regular season, Lamar Jackson get wins. I think the defense, which is not as good as previous years, uh, will do enough to win some games. And I think the skill position, skill player position, uh, will help Lamar Jackson mightily. I have them over at 12 and a, at 12 wins. And I do think Lamar Jackson takes a step forward this year. Uh, he kind of got a lot of crap last year, and I do think he bounces back a little bit. I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson fan. You finally won think, a playoff game, right? Yeah, uh, but I just – or did he win a playoff game? I think so. He got that monkey off his shoulder, I think. Yeah, he did. You're right. He did win a playoff game over uh, Tennessee. Yeah. So he got that monkey off his back, but he never has been able to reach an AFC championship game. And a lot of people anticipated that would occur the last two years, and it hasn't. So they got to show me they can beat the Chiefs, either in the regular season or the postseason. They haven't beat them at all. So. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, I believe, is 0 4 against uh, Mahomes or 0 3 or something like that. That needs to change at some point. But uh, I think the Ravens are a good regular season team. I like them over here. All right, Peter, let's transition now to TJ's Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns, they had a year. I don't want to call it a year for the ages for them, but I think they took some people by surprise. Kevin Stefanski showed that he is a legitimate coach in the league. Uh, Baker Mayfield took steps forward. Uh, Nick Chubb was great on the ground, and they were be able, been able to have success without Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the defense was also really good for the Cleveland Browns this past year. Uh, and will they be able to build upon that? That is a the million-dollar question. So according to DraftKings, uh, the Cleveland Browns are set at 10 and a half wins. Uh, so just to recap their off season. So the Browns, uh, they made some additions this off season. They added Jadavion Clowney and free agency from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Clowney's had a disappointing last couple seasons, but maybe with Miles Garrett and the other side of the edge rush, uh, he'll be able to have some sort of success. Uh, they also added John Johnson uh, from the Rams, from the Rams to play safety. 
Uh, the Browns need some help in their defensive backfield, so that'll help them. Uh, they also added Troy Hill, uh, another former Ram player, and they also added Malik Jackson to play defensive tackle. Uh, in terms of losses for the offseason, uh, it was they didn't take too many losses. Uh, they lost Kendall Lamb, the right tackle, and they also lost Sheldon Richardson, the defensive tackle. Uh, he ended up moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, and he was outright released. Uh, you look at this Cleveland Browns team, they look to be ascending. I like, like I talked about off the bat, Kevin Savansky seems legitimate to me. Uh, what do you like for the Cleveland Browns? Like I mentioned, uh, according to DraftKings, they're set at 10 and a half. I like the hard over. I like them winning the division. And I, I, maybe I'm going to pick them for AFC champions because, as you said, they didn't lose anybody. They got John Johnson, which I like. Clowney on one side and then. Miles Garrett on the other side is going to be a scary defense. They get Odell Beckham Jr. back. And although I, I like the team without Odell, I think they force him the ball a little bit. But yeah, I like the hard over. That. That's something you talk. I like how you mentioned the Odell Beckham part. That's something when you look at this Browns team, will they be able to get Odell back in the fold? Or is Odell kind of going to clunk up the offense un- unintentionally? So Beckham's recovering from that surgery he had, and he's set to be back in training camp. But it wouldn't shock me at all if it didn't work out with Beckham and the Browns and he ends up getting dealt. That wouldn't shock me the least bit. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the over. I have the Browns winning 12 games this year. I have them finishing second in the division, uh, and they're going to lose the tiebreaker out to the Ravens. But I have them at 12 wins. I think they're very productive in the regular season, uh, and they're going to look very similar to how they did last year. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Stefanski, it seems like they have some great chemistry f- from a head coach to a quarterback. I think they build upon that. Uh, they win games running the football with Nick Chubb, who is a premier running back in this league, along with Kareem Hunt. Uh, that's a tough ground attack. I-, I like this Browns team going forward. I like them in the future. And it wouldn't shock me the least bit to see them in the AFC Championship game come next January. I think they're that good. And if Jadavian Clowney can do anything defensively can he look any semblance of himself that he was in Houston uh, I think the defense will take it to another level uh, they're secondary I like like you mentioned Johnson's a nice player uh, they got him from the Los Angeles Rams can he enter can he help uh, stop the opposing receivers stop things over the top uh, that'll be the key for the Cleveland Browns going forward I'm going to take the over let's move to the Cincinnati Bengals so the Cincinnati Bengals uh, they had a tough year last year. It looked semi-promising. Joe Burrow played well the first couple games of the season, but he went down uh, blowing out his knee, tearing his ACL, MCL, and pretty much every uh, legitimate legitimate ligament, in that. ligament. Yeah, legitimate ligament in that knee. Uh, he is set to be back around training camp or the preseason, which is good for the Bengals' future. Uh, but when you look at this Bengals team, how did their offseason fare? Uh, they were they added Mike Hilton from the Pittsburgh Steelers, like I mentioned previously, uh, to play cornerback. Uh, they added Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. A lot of people believe that Hendrickson is a nice little underrated player. They gave him a significant chunk of cash. They gave him four years, $60 million. That's a $50 million per year contract. Uh, they also added Riley Reef uh, to play left tackle from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they lost A.J. Green uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, but Green was not a part of that team last year. Uh, and my, he didn't play at all, right, Peter? No, not really. No, he didn't play it. Yeah, he, he he was not 
obviously an impact player there. John Ross, a former first-round pick, ended up with the New York Giants, uh, and they lost Carl Lawson to the Cincinnati to the New York Jets, and they lost William Jackson to the Washington Football Team, cornerback. And you look at their draft; they added Jamar Chase in the first round. Uh, Jamar Chase played with Joe Burrow at LSU. Uh, Jamar Chase, the number one receiver in most people's mock draft this past season. Uh, he's going to be reunited with Joe Burrow. I know a lot of people wanted him to take an offensive line in the first round, a.k.a. me. Uh, so what do you like with the Cincinnati Bengals team? According to DraftKings, uh, their total is set at six and a half. What is your thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals? I like the slight over, as long as Joe Burrow can stay healthy over that line. I, I was a big proponent of draft Jamar Chase. I don't care about the offensive line. And they drafted somebody in the second round anyway. They did. So I, I think he's going to have electric numbers this year. I love Joe Burrow. And, yeah, I think he's just going to win seven or eight games. And I, I have, a, like, a rebounding season, and I like the Bengals' future. I like the, I like Joe Burrow. I'm one of the biggest Joe Burrow's fans there are. I think he's a real face of the league the next couple of years. I think he's smart. I think he knows the offense. And if he can recover from that injury, that'll be huge for the future. Uh, but – I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going to take the under. I think the Bengals finish 5-12 and 12 on the year. Reason being, I don't believe Zach Taylor uh, will be the coach uh, in 2022. I do not believe uh, he will develop to Joe Burrow's potential. I think he's going to be a stopgap, and I think he gets fired at the end of the year. I have questions about the offensive line. I have questions about the defense. I think uh, Trey Hendrickson they gave a real lot of money to, and I think Hendrickson's a nice little player. But they paid him a real lot of money. Uh, so we're going to see how that shakes out. Worried about the secondary. Worried about the offensive line. I like Joe Mixon in terms of running the football, but he hasn't been necessarily the most durable back over the last couple years. I think he's going to go off this year. It's his contract here. I, I hope you're right. I like Mixon a lot, and I've been saying that the last two years. But I'm going to take the under here. I think that division with the Ravens, and the Browns, that's going to be very difficult for the Browns, for the Bengals to exceed that total. So I'm going to take the under uh, with five wins. And I think the Bengals look to 2022 and they hire a real head coach and they start their whole, what's the best word to subscribe this, is their whole Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's career is going to start in 2022 with the second head coach, in my opinion. So I'm going to take the under there. Now, just a few questions about the division. Who do you believe is the most overrated player in that division? Well, as we said, Odell Beckham Jr., because you saw what they did without him. I think they're just going to have to force him the ball. And if he doesn't get the ball, he's just going to act out and be like, where are my targets? For me, my the most overrated player in that division, I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, uh, I think Roethlisberger is going to be a bottom 10 quarterback in the league this year. I do not believe he's going to propel the Pittsburgh Steelers like we talked about. I think he's the most overrated player in the in the division, and I could argue the most overrated player in the league. Uh, I just don't think he's got anything left, and I think he's going to hinder the Steelers. And it would not surprise me the least bit if the Steelers are in week 14, week 15, and they try to give Haskins or Mason Rudolph a look. That really I know, would I, shock me. That's why I'm surprised they didn't draft the quarterback because – they don't even have anyone to go for. Exactly. So now if you they Unless they pick Watson, which is gonna be stupid, but 
Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't foresee them trading for uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Like, I don't foresee any of that. Aaron Rodgers, like, I don't foresee that. I think their next quarterbacks in the 2022 draft class. Uh, what about most underrated player in the division? Who is the most underrated player in your mind in the division? I like Tyler Boyd because no one's going to be talking about him with Jamar Chase because I think he's just going to get overshadowed. And he was a nice wide receiver one, especially in fantasy for the Bengals. That's a good one. I, I do like Tyler Boyd. He was one that I was really looking at. I, I like Boyd a lot. I think he can make a difference. I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman. Uh, like I talked about, a uh, rookie from Minnesota. I think he's going to have a really good year uh, with the Ravens. It wouldn't surprise me if he becomes Lamar Jackson's favorite target real quick. I recommend uh, anyone picks him in fantasy. I think he's going to be a real difference maker. And he is my most underrated player in the division. Uh, and I think he's going to turn some heads quick. So next week, Peter, why don't we turn to the AFC West? Let's do it. Patty Mahomes. We'll talk some Patty Mahomes, some Justin Herbert. Talk some Vegas. Talk some Denver Broncos. We'll talk AFC West next week. Let's move to baseball now. So uh, this past week was an exciting week in baseball. Uh, other than the MLB draft, uh, there was some exciting events. The Home Run Derby, uh, which we'll talk about first. Pete Alonso went back-to-back in his, sec- in his second consecutive Home Run Derby. Uh, he wins it again. He gets that $1 million bonus, uh, which is actually more than his salary for the Mets, which is actually pretty funny. Oh, really? And, I didn't even know that. That's a yep, crime. Yeah, he's getting paid because uh, he's obviously on his rookie deal. He's yeah. getting paid, I believe, $600,000 this year, and uh, he just got a $1 million check. Uh, for winning the home run derby. So he defeated uh, Trey Mancini from the Orioles in the finals. Uh, our guy Shohei Otani lost in the first round in double overtime to Juan Soto. Uh, what were your takeaways from the home run derby? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I liked it just because it was in Coors Field and balls were flying. Obviously, it was sad that Shohei lost in the swing off. They couldn't get three versus Soto. Soto's a good player. I like that whole field all the way around. And after my guy Trevor Story lost, the second round, I was rooting for Mancini all the way through. I wanted that story to hit. I, I like Mancini. I picked Matt Olson. That was my pick. Yeah, and he almost came back, but he unfortunately fell just a little bit short against Trey Mancini. I thought it was a great spectacle. I thought Coors Field was perfect. Balls were flying out of the park. I think Juan Soto hit a 520-foot homer, yep. which is insane to say the least. And I, I liked it a lot. I think it was entertaining. Uh, Pete Alonzo, he's probably the best power hitter in baseball. Yeah, he has to come back next year. He just yeah, has to. Got to go for the trifecta. So uh, Ken Griffey Jr. has the record for three home run derby uh, winners. And now Alonzo is tied for second with two. So I imagine he's going to go for that. <laughs> he's going to go for that. Not to mention he's doubling his salary every time he wins it. So. <laughs> right. I didn't even know that. That's actually funny. Yeah, and we didn't really talk much about Pete Alonzo, and I think it was a mistake by us last week when we picked him. When we didn't really discuss him in the top two or three, I think we kind of left him on the list because we saw him win last week, last year, and we didn't really think he'd win it again. Baseball's in good hands. Yes. When you look at Shohei Otani, again, we'll transition right to the All-Star game. So Shohei Otani uh, started the game as a pitcher along with batting leadoff for the American League. Uh, He is the face of baseball. He is Major League Baseball. He is that guy. Uh, You can't tell me otherwise. Uh, Granted, this is just his first year where he's really turning heads. Uh, And the only thing that can derail Otani's career is durability. That is the only thing that will separate him from greatness. And he is a a once-in-a-generation-like player. Uh, Everywhere this past week, everybody said it. 
Uh, Kevin Cash, the manager for the American League, he said it like, this is awesome. Like he's a once in a generation type of guy. Uh, everyone realizes he's that guy. And I think Major League Baseball is in great hands with him. Vlad Guerrero Jr., who won the All-Star MVP. Uh, Fernando Tatis, Pete Alonso, uh, Rafael Devers to some extent. I think are in fantastic hands. And before we segue off of the home run derby, I feel bad for Salvador Perez, though. He had the best like catcher like round of any catcher in the home run derby and got destroyed by Alonso. Yeah, Salvador Perez. It uh, feels like been, has been around forever. He was the World Series MVP in 2015, and he's he can still hit bombs. Uh, even from that catcher position, he hits bombs. Uh, that Royals team might not be going anywhere, but Salvador Perez is still there and still there going strong. And he's been a staple, especially for the American League, uh, as the league's best catcher. You know? Well, AL is a wagon. They've won eight times in a row, which is stupid. But you know what the irony here is? Uh, the, we talk about how the American League is, for the better part of the year, weak. Uh, we don't even, there's, in my opinion, there's not a real front runner to come out of the American League. Sure, the Astros, sure, the Red Sox. You can make an argument for other teams, maybe Tampa Bay, uh, maybe the Chicago White Sox. But there's no clear-cut front runner. And then you look at the NL and you have star power everywhere you look. The Dodgers, Padres, uh, the Mets have played really well. The Giants have played really well. But the American League continuously wins the All-Star game. It's true. I it's like how they uh, mic'd up the players, though. Like yeah, all that, that's cool. Major League Baseball needs to do a better job of marketing their players. Do you remember that study that came out on, I think it was ESPN. It was a long time ago. Uh, that more people in this country were more familiar with Kenneth Fareed, a former NBA player, than Mike Trout. Yeah, because Mike Trout's not marketable. Like, do that question again with like Tatis or something, and or like Vlad, and they'll they'll get it. I up. don't. Unfortunately, I think it's or even Shohei. Like they'll get it up. Yeah, Shohei, I think is one thing, but uh, sure, Vlad and Tatis are good and all that. But I still think the NBA has them pretty. Sig- I bet you, if you surveyed, well, yeah, because a hundred people out of a hundred will know who LeBron is. No, but even like, the secondary NBA piece is a guy like, I don't know, who's a young and up-and-coming star in the NBA? Um, LaMelo uh, Ball. <laughs> sure, LaMelo Ball, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, who do you think is more popular in this country right now, Donovan Mitchell or Fernando Tatis? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Donovan Mitchell. And maybe it's not to the extent it was when that survey was taken. I think it was like 2008 or nine. But I think Major League Baseball needs to keep doing what they're doing, and they – Need uh, guys like Otani, guys like Tatis, guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr. to make deep postseason runs. But as you said, two steps forward, one step back. They are next year getting rid of the seven-inning doubleheader rule, and they're getting rid of the guy on second base in the 10th inning. Is that official? Yep. Oh, that's, that's stupid. I like the I well the seven inning fine. It helps like, it move it way along because I'm not sitting through a regular season game that means practically nothing for six seven hours. And there is a labor dispute on the way for Major League Baseball. That seems inevitable at this point. Uh, I'm not saying there will be a lockout, but it wouldn't shock me. It seems like the owners and the players uh, disagree about a plethora of things, and I'm sure the players' associations pissed about all this illegal substance stuff, no more pine tar, no more sunscreen and all that stuff. So I think they're mad about that. And I'm sure the feelings mutual on the other side. So I do think there's a labor dispute on the way. And will Rob Manfred be the commissioner in the future? 
I don't know. I would probably say he is probably not in the best. Listen, if Roger Goodell do it, he can do it. But here's the thing with Goodell has delivered as much as Goodell. You want to say he's a jerk and doesn't care. But the NFL is constantly, constantly uh, earned more than they were anticipated with ratings, ticket sales, everything. The NFL has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger under Roger Goodell. They got a team in Vegas now, like all these new stadiums seem to pop up every single year. Uh, Roger Goodell, as much as I think he is uh, messed up at times, sure, uh, with the Patriots deflate gate stuff, sure, with the Ray Rice only two game suspension at first, he has had his fair share of blunders, but he has constantly made the NFL NFL owners richer and richer by the year. Rob Manfred, on the other hand, I'm not sure if that's true. It seems like both the players and the owners don't really care for him at this point. Uh, make Theo Epstein the commissioner. It's true. I wouldn't hate it. I love I'd Theo. Love it. I love it. And I do think all the stuff about the legal illegal substances, I believe that's behind Theo. I think that is a Theo driven decision, in my opinion. Because he knows what's going on and he's cognitive of that. And that's him in my opinion. All right, moving on, Peter. Uh and just just want to plug Peter. Peter had a great article uh this past week on the Red Sox. It was a little mid season review. Uh go check that out on the, the dailygoats.com. Uh it was a Thanks, fantastic bud. read. Fantastic read. All right, moving on. Uh, Peter, let's see if we can do this weekend. We're going to go over picks for our weekend. Uh, we're going to give one pick one pick for this Friday, July 16th, and two picks for Saturday, July 17th. Peter, you go first. Friday. So Friday, July 16th, I have the Red Sox over the Yankees. The Red Sox have spanked the Yankees six times in a row. They haven't lost to the Yankees in 2021 yet, and I don't think that's going to happen. And for – Thursday, they're going to call up Duran, and they're going to call up Terrell Hawk, so the rich get richer. And I think that Christian Arroyo is going to play first base because he's taking grounders over there as we speak. And Kike is going to move to second base, and Duran's going to be outfielder of the future, probably center fielder. Center field. Yeah, Duran's a center fielder for sure. Uh, I'm going to double down with you. I'm going to go with the Red Sox over the Yankees. The Red Sox have had the Yankees number this year. Uh, the Yankees' first half was abysmal. Uh, I, I'm not sure why Boone is still here. Um, and I think Cashman poorly constructed the team. And I like the Red Sox over the Yankees this this Friday. Your boy will get fired at the end of the year. Boone, uh, yeah. I'm shocked he's still here. And I think, but you're right, at the end of the year, I believe his, uh, his time is up with the New York Yankees. Moving on to Saturday. Uh, what do you like for Saturday? What is, just give me both your picks for Saturday. Because I know they're both with the same uh, game. So I like the Bucks plus five. That's my premium pick of the week. And then I like Chris Middleton over... 24 and a half because I think it's going to be close. I think the Bucks have all the momentum in the world. I think if the Suns win, they're going to keep it more than five points. And Chris Middleton got like 40 points on Wednesday. And I think that he's going to have a big game with Giannis again. So I think the over on 24 and a half, and I think they're just going to keep it close all the way around. So I like the plus five. So for that, I'm going to stick with that particular game. I'm going to take the over at 218. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. The Suns score more points at home. I think you're going to see guys from the Suns like Jay Crowder hit some corner threes and put up some, put up some points. And then I'm also going to take over 15 and a half points for DeAndre Ayton. I think DeAndre Ayton, if the Suns want to win, Ayton's got to score 18 to 20. I think he's got to be a force on the glass and a force on the offensive end, especially with Chris Paul being limited for... Uh, reasons that we are not sure. So 
I'm going to take Aiton over 15 and a half. Maybe if the Suns win, maybe Aiton will get MVP. You're, you know what? We talked like about Like I Chris said it in game yeah. one. Yeah. If Aiton has a big game five, I think he's going to be right in the conversation, especially if Chris Paul continues Chris to Paul's play. Today's a good play. Yeah. Yeah. And Devin Booker's back and forth. So, yeah. I do think Booker still has a slight advantage over Aiton, unless Aiton dominates these next two games or two to three games, whatever it may be. Uh, but the next time we have a podcast, Peter, uh, we're going to have an NBA Finals champion, uh, whether it'll be the Phoenix Suns or the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we'll probably be talking legacy for either Giannis or legacy for Chris Paul. So that'll be interesting. And like we talked about, we're going to talk about the AFC West next week. Uh, as training camp creeps closer and closer for NFL teams. Uh, we did the AFC North this week. We'll hit the AFC West. You got anything else, Peter? Stay hot. Stay hot. <laughs>